That was Nobody Just Like You by Human Nature. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. Up next, we have another episode of What the Art. I know you've been looking forward to it. So I'm going to hand you straight over to Rachel for another episode this afternoon. And I'll see you after the four o'clock news. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of What the Art, where we talk about all things art and culture in New England and beyond. I'm Rachel Parsons, Director of New England Regional Art Museum, and I'm excited to bring you more news and stories about art in this half hour. Today we are going beyond New England to talk to Melbourne-based artist Kate Just, whose artwork, Anonymous is a Woman, is currently being exhibited at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney as part of the National 2021. Thanks so much, Kate, for joining me today. Thanks, Rachel, for having me. It's lovely to be here. So Kate, your practice has included sculpture, installation, neon, textiles, and photography, uh, but you're perhaps best well known um, for working with knitting, which has been a big part of your practice since at least 2004. Um, and you use knitting as a way to create political and feminist statements. What attracted you to knitting as an art medium? So Rachel, I learned to knit actually at the age of 26 years old. Um, I was already at art school at the Victorian College of the Arts in Melbourne and I was studying painting. And that year my um, brother died suddenly and tragically. And I went home to visit my family for the funeral. And my mom was, was doing two things I'd never seen her do before, which was knitting and smoking. So she had resumed old habits yes, <laughs> as yes. a way to cope. And it was just a really difficult, obviously a very difficult time for our family. And I think what happened then was what has happened uh, um, in many um, families of women throughout time and across cultures is that we sat alongside each other, um, not really speaking a lot. And I observed what she was doing and I picked up what she was doing um, more by visual than by talking. And I learned to knit. And the first thing I knitted was a scarf. And, and I that's think where we so all as a mom, start with knitting, right? A scarf. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good place to start, I got to say. If you're going to start, don't start with a jumper or anything too complicated. <laughs> start with the back and forth of garter stitching, a, uh, with, you know, just plain knitting a scarf. And so I did that. But in the moment of doing it, like it was pretty immediate um, that I felt all those feelings about all those different histories and about our own history and our own emotional loss and the capacity of that medium to sort of hold all of those uh, both real world histories and then also narratives around women's stories and um, language and loss and love and all of that so I then was feeling like oh my god this is actually my art medium and I went back to art school and I never painted again I just <laughs> knitted from then from then I just knitted and the next thing I knitted I knitted the next two things I knitted. First, I knitted the series of, um, it was like a queer kind of work around the body and gender and conformity. And I knitted this whole series um, of like a jockstrap kind of underwear, but they all had different sort of genitalia and they were like decorated and they were all this baby blue. Um, and they were like, um, it taught me how to knit every kind of stitch you could knit. Um, so I learned how to increase and decrease and make form 
Um, and then after that, I knitted my father as a police officer. And after that, I would say my status as a master knitter was achieved and anything I <laughs> wanted to do after that, I just set my mind to it. <laughs> you certainly have had to uh, set your mind to your most recent um, work, which is the Anonymous is a Woman project, which you've been working on for over two years. Um, and I've been following um, the project as it's been going and I'm a total fan of it. So the work consists of a hundred 140 handed panels all inscribed with the text anonymous is a woman and each panel actually, oh sorry ooh, sorry i'm interrupting no no it's you go. anonymous it's quite important the title actually is anonymous was a woman was a woman yes apologies and, and that's quite important because um yeah because actually the words anonymous was a woman has that implication that hopefully this will be something in the past so it's anonymous was a woman sorry anonymous to was a woman. correct you on your no, no. <laughs> an important correction to make um yeah. so each panel comprises of over seventeen thousand stitches and takes you about 25 hours to knit and so this work involves an immense amount amount of labor and dedication. Uh, what drove you to do this? So um, I guess like all art artworks, it sort of comes in a series of moments and um, a, a kind of realizations. And so, uh, you know, I can always tell, make a, a short story long. Um, that's the way I am. <laughs> but what, what sort of happened, I'll try to do that in reverse, um, was that I actually had started a weaving project. I decided I was going to teach myself a new skill because I thought, well, people are probably getting a bit sick of me only ever knitting, so I can use yarn. I'll try to put it to some other use. Mm -hmm. So I was teaching myself to weave, and what I had decided to weave was this series of works that were like kind of homages to anonymous quilt works. So um, works that I saw were like works of art, like paintings, like uh, almost like master paintings or something that I'd found that were deemed to be anonymous, probably made by women. So I'm, I'm kind of weaving these anonymous quilts. And I had two key thoughts. Firstly, I was thinking a lot about the way um, women's art practices have been anonymous, erased, um, or undervalued throughout history. And secondly, I started thinking, well, why am I weaving and what's wrong with repeating yourself and what's wrong with using the tools you have to keep doing what you do and honing your language. And then that idea led me to think about actually the power of repetition. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I thought, actually, I should pick the needles back up and knit. And I should actually deal with this problem we have, which is that the conditions of the art world and the broader society which erases women's talents and doesn't value our work in the same way. Like if I don't actually deal with that, what's the point of making something new and amazing that everyone's gonna love when I haven't dealt with the conditions that prevent me from actually even being seen or heard? And then I put down the weaving <laughs> and I picked up the knitting and I began knitting these panels. And I took, I was at Art Oh My on a residency in New York and I began to develop the work there, thinking I might just do it on the residency, a series of these panels. But as people sat alongside me talking as I knitted about these issues and how they affected their, them and their work, I began to realize, oh no, this is really an endurance project and it has to go for at least a year and it has to involve conversations with other people about this idea as part of the work. 
endurance is a really important wo uh, word for this work, I think, because um, it definitely has, as you said, been a, um, an exercise in endurance. And yours, and I guess then by extension, women's labor becomes undeniably visible in this work. And it's arduous, it's repetitive, and it feels never ending. But is there also an aspect of joy and even power in this for you? Definitely. I mean, I actually love knitting. I don't mind knitting on repeat either. So for me, there is something <clears throat> about knitting where it's my language. It's a material that accompanies all the aspects of my day and my life. So there is a joy in that of making time for that, making space for that and making it visible also to other people. And even though the panels say Anonymous was a woman, referring to, you know, the quote, the adapted quote by Virginia Woolf, which looks at the kind of exclusion of creative women writers in that context from the canon of literature, um, that really what I'm thinking about is that word was. Um, I'm thinking if I make this work, you know, and we start to talk about this issue and its prevalence, um, then we can hopefully get to a point where anonymity is a thing of the past. It's not a thing of the present. So there is a power and joy and resilience in doing that because of course, when you start to tackle any social um, or political problem, you're, you, you're feeling a lot more agency than when you're just kind of lying there um, in misery about the problem, <laughs> you yeah. know? which is what, it, it's, not, it's not hard to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, we all have those moments where you yeah. just want to lie down and quit. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you did you ever come to a point within the process of making this work where you thought I've made a terrible mistake and I, I don't want to knit this anymore? Well, it's funny because I think what it made me realize about my practice is that I've always set up these kind of serial projects of a serial <laughs> nature where the repetition or the, the group of works um, culminates in this um, final statement. And even when I made knitted sculptural works, like I knitted um, years ago in 2014, I knitted this giant hedge that spelled love. And it took 13 months of knitting on a machine at that point, which was much more uncomfortable, almost all day knitting on a machine, these little strips of wool. And I've always had that my whole life I've had this like end game mentality um, that's like if I do these thousands of hours of um, work or training I'll get to this end. Um, I've, I've been like that since I was a, a, a child really mm. um, and have achieved things in my life with that mentality, other things in my life with that mentality as well. So um, for me no it's once I'm in the process, the process itself of knowing there's an end knowing what it's going to take to get there is very motivating to me. Mm. And I think that that motivation um, has suddenly led to um, a quite significant achievement. And I think it's quite interesting in this work that you have focused on the lack of visibility for women in the arts um, historically, but of, of course, it's still an issue today. Um, but this has drawn uh, significant attention to you and recognition to this work, which is absolutely fantastic, but also a little ironic. 
It's definitely ironic. And um, it's, it's like that moment where I sort of thought to myself, you know, I'll make a work about how no one pays attention, really, truly deep attention to women artists in our practices. Um, and then that's the one that gets me my first big museum presentation. So that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's funny it. because it also, I know, but it also, te it also teaches me because I teach students, I teach graduate students, but it teach, I learn from my own practice and my own experiences as well. And I mean, it teaches me that you've got to, as an artist, just do what, as you were, you know what I mean? As you were, you got to do what you're doing without a lot of concern for what's going to come of it. Mm. I mean, Rachel Kent, the curator of um, the MCA, she met me and saw the work and offered um, to present the work in the national after it was almost a year um, you know, being undertaken for a year. Mm -hmm. So I had already been doing it. And and smaller galleries were saying to me, uh, and commercial galleries and smaller institutions, regional institutions were saying to me, wow, this is a great project. We'd love to present it. And I'd, I said, no, I'm sorry. It has to be a major institutional pre um, presentation. Mm -hmm. That's what the work is about. It critiques institutional exclusion. So I'm just going to have to hold out and wait for a big institution to present it because I, that's what the work is about so i said no to people along the way with no no hope and no knowledge of any sort of outcome and then it did happen at the right moment that rachel had seen it already well underway and i then extended the length of the project that was meant to be for one year um, so that i could fill the walls i had been given for my space in the mca fill both the walls with the work. So it, it added another nine months to the project. It's nothing, just an extra nine months. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, it's certainly- um, But for an artist- Yeah, no, absolutely. Sorry, I was just gonna say, for an, for an artist, having security of what you're doing is actually mm -hmm. often reassuring. So it's, yes. you could also see it as another nine months where I don't have to decide what project I'm doing next. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I feel, I figure by then um, the the process of of knitting these works is almost um, as uh, a physical memory. You know, it'd be almost automatic in a in a way. Yeah, well, what happens with the knitting is uh, when I started, I had this grid. It's it's like a nasty laminated kind of piece of paper that I've carried around for two years in every bag I've you know trudged around with. Um, and I had to refer to the grid, excuse me, um, looking at all the letters across because I'm knitting it in as I go. So I had to refer to the grid a lot for probably the first whole year. Mm. Um, now I don't really need to refer to it unless I think I've made a mistake. Uh -huh. And I also can, when I'm knitting plain rows, which is a substantive amount of the knitting, I don't need to even look. I can close my eyes, I can have a conversation. So I've got to the point where I actually am knitting without looking at it. Um, so it has become completely innate. I was in a store a couple of weeks back just looking for something in a health food store in Melbourne and I was knitting without looking and the, the guy in the store was like, yeah, you don't need my help with anything, do you? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, if you can do that, like whatever, yeah. I just feel, you'll find what you're looking for, obviously. <laughs>
I love it. We're going to take a little break and uh, listen to a song, but I will be back with Kate Just um, after Just a Girl by No Doubt. Take this pink ribbon off my eyes. I'm exposed, and it's no big surprise. Welcome back to What the Art, and I am talking to Kate Just um, about her work, Anonymous Was a Woman. Um, 
So Kate, your practice often seeks to illuminate and to generate dialogue about ongoing issues of sexual harassment and violence against women, as well as the invisibility and lack of women, uh, lack of power women experience in the world. And so I was thinking that I imagine that current events in Australia, including the various claims of sexual harassment in Parliament and the recent Women's March for Justice, um, have acted as a validation for your work and the need for these discussions uh, to occur. But at the same time, as you know, a major point of frustration and anger. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have picked a better time for this project to mm. launch because as I made the project, you know, I started the project thinking it's about the erasure of women from the canon, but then it's like, well, why are women erased from the canon of art? It's It links, of course, to the broader social um, issues of injustice that women face in all areas of society. So, you know, of course, when these things are coming out um, in our own country in terms of government and um, power and uh, the way women, when they make um, their, you know, truthful claims of harassment and assault, the way um, we kind of get put on trial, it's like women who get put on trial um, to have to defend themselves somehow. It's like, it just, for me, it just, I don't know that I would say it validated the work as much as it allows the work to um, sit in a broader context um, mm -hmm. and speak to issues that are so unresolved. Absolutely. And I think that's, um, uh, I think frustration was a big word that came out of the recent march for justice. You know, the this enough is enough um, phrase was, was used um, uh, all over the place because of the fact that, um, you know, these are conversations that have been happening uh, forever, for ages and ages and ages. This is not the first time that these things have, have come up. It's not the hundredth time that these things have come up. And I felt that that, um, uh, that active endurance that you were undergoing in the making of the work really aligned so strongly with that sense of um, the ongoing nature of, of these issues in a way. Yeah, and what we bear, what we sort of have to bear, you know, it's like you're bearing, you, you have to sort of deal with a burden of conditions which um, which aren't really changing. Mm. It's interesting because also though, you know, in making this work, I've got these knitting circles where people come and sit and join me in having discussions. They can bring their own crafts or they can come and just sit with me. And so I've probably already met 30 or 30 or 40 people in these circles and there's been one um, man to join the circle so far and it it does you know bear out for me though that other question of how how men are participating in um, in this dialogue mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's and what they're what they're doing so uh, there's something about the labor that um, I'm doing, which speaks to the broader labor that women are doing to solve the problem that isn't really our problem to begin with. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's like we're doing the work to fix the thing that oppresses us. Yes. Interesting, that. <laughs> I mean, you can see this mirrored in everything, right? Yeah. Um, in, in, in race, 
racial mm. injustice and disability injustice. Like you can see it in every aspect of injustice that it's always the marginalized group that's doing all the labor to kind of try to change the thing that oppresses them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's certainly as a dynamic, it's not, it's not going to work no, <laughs> if that's what happens, you know, that the, 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 the the, the power structure will not transform if the predominant labor is being done by the oppressed first peoples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned yeah. Um, you mentioned that you've been working collectively. You've been doing your knitting circles um, at the MCA, and this is also something that has recurred in your practice. So that facilitating of community engagement and participation. So in the past. You've had public knitting projects like the Knit for Venus, Knit Hope, and Knit Safe. Um, so how does this focus on collective participation and creativity, um, I guess, connect to the political and feminist themes of, of your practice? Is that something that works in together? Yeah, I think the thing about bringing people into those circles, it has multiple, there's a kind of multiple reasons for that. Um, it, it goes firstly, um, you know, there's something about the work that actually uh, connects to, in some ways, um, the work of male conceptual artists who've done these kind of like heroic, daily, monumental projects. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm kind of both acknowledging that and working into that framework, but also thinking about ways to subvert that and speak to the ways that women have collectively worked throughout history in different um, social and cultural contexts. So for me, bringing everyday people into the work, uh, into the conversations, acknowledges the potential um, of a kind of non unmonumental, non-hierarchical way of um, making narratives and making change. So, it's also for me, the fact is I work in a material that lots of people work in. So it's not elevated and special in a sense. It's something that lots of people who aren't artists have done and continue to do every day, often in a way that is connected to kind of care, care and nurture and family and love. And so I just feel like that that is really at the heart of how I learned to knit the ideas in the work um, and, and the kind of ethos of living that I want to um, kind of abide by. So it's great for me to bring people who knit like I do um, into the work and into the public realm, make space for them and sit in a kind of equalized way together in a circle and just say like, we are actually doing the same thing. Yeah. And have there been some interesting conversations that have come through that process? Yeah, so what happened on the very first day, I mean, one of the things, the very first day we started, we had this conversation, we had some conversations and the conversations early on because it was um, the parliamentary uh, stuff was in the media a lot mm -hmm. those early weeks. So we talked a lot about politics and sexual assault and the context in Australia in the circles. And what I did after the first couple of circles is I would post a photo on my Instagram handle at Kate Just Knits, I would post a um, photo of the knitting circle and say, knitting circle one, this is what we, these were the people who joined me, this is what we talked about. Um, and just really immediately I realized that 
these circles hold a lot of power in a short, um, short amount of time. They really open up a space for conversations and sharing knowledge and sharing ideas. And it's the knitting itself that actually invites people to feel comfortable because there we are, we're sort of doing something else mm -hmm. and we're doing something that's the same as each other as well. Um, that it really invites a kind of openness very quickly is something I've observed over time. And so, yeah, it's just becoming a really incredible way for some conversation to unfold that wouldn't unfold firstly if it wasn't accompanied by knitting um, and, and, and wouldn't maybe unfold around the work in such an informal way either. Uh, and so, yeah, it's every day something new. Yesterday, um, two of the three members of one of the circles had lost their spouses after the same amount of time being married. They weren't friends, they'd never met each other before. And we spent some time in the circle just talking about love and the preciousness of life. And, you know, it just, it just made me realize like it's, it's about taking time and making space to hear other people's perspectives is quite a powerful um radical thing to do mm. that once again that um you know the the personal is political the the radicalness of um uh just having conversations or just allowing people to express themselves is still you know something that is important and powerful definitely i think it's about it is really like so much about social trans and political transformation is going to have to be about compassion care, listening, and making space for people to voice their stories without judgment. Absolutely. So Anonymous was a woman has not been completed yet. There are still a number of panels to be finished that you were knitting live over the course of the exhibition. Have you thought about how you feel once this quite monumental work has been completed? Yeah, I, I sort of, I'm getting really close because I have, you know, I came to the MCA with 12 panels left to knit. Um, some of the ones that are not stretched up on the wall are actually already done. So I'm only about four out from being finished now. And I've got about three and a half weeks left there knitting them. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very close to being done. Um, I think it always is going it always is for me the end of a project always is that mixture of feeling relief pride sadness <laughs> you know sadness that it's over um and that excitement also about what else might come next um because for me as an artist what comes next isn't something i you know sit down and i strategize and plan mm -hmm. it sort of happens to me when i'm like in the bathtub or I'm taking a walk or I'm with you know friends or I'm at the movies or something it, it really happens to me um, and it's really pretty wonderful mysterious thing so I'm always excited to see what that will be Fantastic. Well, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the work in situ and um, seeing it completed. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. So the National is on display at the Art Grave New South Wales, Carriage Works and the Museum of Contemporary Art. Uh, each institution has a different closing date, but you can see Anonymous was a woman at the MCA until the 22nd of August. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kate.
Thank you so much for having me. And if there's time, I will just say that people who still want to join the knitting circles in April can, yeah, head to the MCA national website and um, book in for a 20 minute session with, with me. I'd love to see um, new people in the circle. Absolutely. Fantastic. So make sure, can they do that via the MCA website? They can do that by the MCA website. The national website has bookings for public programs. So they can just even go to my Instagram. If you're on Instagram, I've got a link in my bio to book um, that's very direct as well. Fantastic. Well, make sure you uh, book in for one of those sessions if you can um, and go and check out the artwork. So just to finish up, some arty things coming up at Niram. There are still some tickets available for our next courtyard session featuring Caitlin Harnett and the Pony Boys, which is this Sunday. Doors open at 3.30 p.m. Niram Nights, Nude Again, is this Friday and there are only a few tickets left, so make sure you book in now. Our next courtyard session will feature the Vampires and will be held on May 9th. Tickets on sale now. Uh, check at nearham.com.au for information on all our exhibitions and events. We're on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Rachel Parsons and I'll see you soon at Nearham. Um, and to end the show, uh, let's listen to another song, which is uh, 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me 